The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. I'm going to entitle the message tonight, What You See Is What You Get. Now, let me give you a text. Open up to uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 42. And I want to read you this text about a blind man who wasn't seeing much, but actually saw a lot. And something happened to this blind man that we are still talking about 2,000 years later. This is Mark chapter 10. Let's read from verse 46. Now, they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the side of the road begging. How many of you have heard this story at least a thousand times? I'm sure that you have. At least a thousand. I've, I've preached it probably a thousand times. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to Jesus, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. In other words, teacher, great one, I want to receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. What I want to bring to your attention this morning from this text, from this scripture is this. Bartimaeus was one of the characters of Jericho. He was a beggar that had received sanction from the civic council to beg. And in those days, if you were a beggar, you were actually given the beggar's cloak. And it was like the badge. And so you were given permission to beg. And so he was known by the people of Jericho. He was known by the people. He was known by everybody. What's fascinating is this is that when Jesus called the man to him, and in order for him to get to Jesus, he would have had to have been led. He wouldn't have known where Jesus was. So someone would have led him. So Jesus, being the Son of God, he was no dope. He understood the guy was blind. Hello? You know, he sees a man begging. He sees the fact that, you know, probably there's no eyeballs in his head or, you know, very significant, and someone's leading him. But then Jesus asks him this question. And what's the question that Jesus asked him? Here it is here. What do you want me to do for you? Now, here's my question for you. Why would Jesus ask a blind man who's screaming out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Why would Jesus ask him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Let, let, I'm a pastor here, and every Sunday we have an altar call here. And if you know, I'm praying for the sick to be healed, and someone leads a blind person here at the front, I, I guarantee that I wouldn't have to ask, well, what do you want me to do for you? I, I, I would know that the guy probably wants healing. But Jesus asks him the question, what do you want me to do for you? It's a very interesting question. I believe that there was purpose in Jesus' question. 
I believe that Jesus was trying to do something with this blind man. I believe that Jesus was trying to get him to do two things. And what were the two things that Jesus was trying to get him to do? I believe that what Jesus was trying to do was to try to get him to get a picture of what the miracle looked like. I believe that Jesus wanted the blind man to see the miracle before he received the miracle. What do you want me to do for you? And so the blind man then was forced to see something. He was forced to capture a picture of a miracle. And then Jesus forced him to do something else. Now articulate what you see the miracle to be. And so Jesus wanted him to see with the imagination and speak with the mouth. And so what happens then is that the blind man responds and he says, Teacher, that I might receive my sight. In order for him to articulate those words, he would have had to have seen the picture of the miracle in his spirit first. And I believe that there is power in what you see. And then Jesus translates all of this process as faith and sends him away and says, go your way, your faith has made you well. See, I want to present to you tonight that faith is holding on to the vision that God gives you. Now, let, let me share with you what it looked like for Bartimaeus. Can I share with you the four things involved in Bartimaeus' faith? Here it is. Number one, Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was the Messiah. That word that he articulated, Jesus, son of David, that phrase, son of David, was reserved only for the Messiah. Bartimaeus was confessing Jesus as the Messiah. He's calling out Jesus, son of David. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Secondly, he believed that Jesus could help him. Why would he cry out, have mercy upon me, if he didn't believe that Jesus could help him? Help me out here tonight. Can you say amen to that? I believe that Bartimaeus believed that Jesus could help him. You say, well, how do you know this? Well, I, I reckon in those days, news traveled fast. They didn't have newspapers, but boy, they had gossips. We have them still today. People that were able to pass a message, there was plenty of those. And I really believe that Bartimaeus had heard the amazing miracles. I don't think there was one person in the whole world that, that wasn't hearing. And you know the amazing thing about, about blind people is that because they can't see physically, they have to use their imagination to see. There's just something about using your imagination. And you know, if I said to you tonight, would you just all close your eyes? Some of you would fall asleep just like that. But some of you, <laughs> some of you would use your imagination to see things. And, and I love it when your imagination is used. And we teach children to use their imagination. When we read children stories and we show them pictures, we're trying to liven up their imagination. And it's just beautiful to see a child with an active imagination and, and building things and making things and pretending, you know, I'm a pirate and, and you know, we're capturing an island or, or, or something like that where kids use their imagination and, and be creative in using their imagination. What's sad is when we stop using our imagination. 
What's sad is when we stop dreaming. What's sad is when something happens in our life and our dreams die and our imagination dies and we stop living and just start existing. Because I really believe the difference between living and existing is the power of the imagination, the power of being able to see not what is, but what can be. And here's here's this man living in this world of darkness. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want to see. What does the miracle look like, Bartimaeus, for you? Well, he started to picture and imagine himself as not having to be led by anyone, being able to see the world, being able to see a beautiful tree, a beautiful flower, a bird flying. He'd heard them, but he'd never experienced them. And he started to see with himself what it might look like to be able to see. Can I give you permission tonight to allow yourself to begin to see things, not as they are, but as they could be? And I honestly believe that we don't spend enough time looking at our world the way that it could be. I don't believe that, 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 that we utilize the amount of time that we have in the whole realm of imagination and creativity because I believe that there is power in the realm of imagination. I believe that's one of the areas that connects us the closest to God because God used his imagination to create this world. He saw it before it existed and he spoke into being that which he saw. And what is sad is when the power of imagination is turned into negativity and is turned into destructive power rather than creative power. And then what Bartimaeus did, the fourth thing that Bartimaeus did is that he put into words what he saw. He articulated, he spoke what he saw. And I really believe that words, when they're connected to dreams, are incredibly powerful, especially if they fall into the will and purpose of God. Are you speaking out your dreams? Are you speaking out your desires? Or have you had so many disappointments in life that you are now too afraid to dream again and too afraid to articulate your dreams again? I'll never forget one day having someone come up to me after a church service and he gave me what for? His business had just gone bust. He just lost his business. And out of his, and I remember out of his anger, he came to me, don't give me that faith rubbish anymore. You Pentecostals are all the same. You build up hope and you tell us to dream and you tell us to, to dream this and dream that. It doesn't work and my business has failed and it's all rubbish. And you know what? There's a time to speak and there's a time to shut your mouth. And at that time, it wasn't a time to speak because the guy was in absolute deep grief. He just lost his business. He'd lost his dream. And, and, and the worst thing for me to tell him at that time is, you're wrong and, and, uh, and, and it can all come to pass again. Now, the fact is that history has proven that you pick yourself up out of the ashes and you move forward again. And that's the case with everybody here. 
I don't think there's one person here that's not had a dream crash to the ground. But out of the ashes, you pick yourself up, you brush yourself off, and you keep going again, and life keeps existing. But in the middle of it, you don't need people to tell you you're not allowed to grieve, or you're not allowed to be angry, or you're not allowed to be frustrated. Matter of fact, we need Christians of faith just to do the journey sometimes with people who are angry, and just to be with them so that when the anger subsides, that's maybe when you can put some faith back into them. But not while they're angry, because all you do is just put petrol on fire. And, uh, and so, so I, I really believe that, that what happens to a lot of people is that a disappointment, they stop dreaming again. And they start to get into just doing life. And you just live life. And you do life. And you basically get up and you do your thing and you go to bed and you, you know, yeah, you've eaten, you've worn your clothes, you've got a roof over your head, but it's just this endless cycle of, of drudgery and toil. But what makes life exciting is when you're allowed to dream. What makes life exciting is when you see what it can be rather than what it is. And allow yourself the luxury of dreaming and painting a picture of the God possibility. What's the God possibility for your life? Because the God possibility is amazing. Bartimaeus believed that Jesus is Messiah, believed that Jesus could help him. He saw what the miracle looked like and he put into words what he saw. And Jesus said, that's And that faith has made you well. You know what we're really good at Christians is doing? We're really good at believing that Jesus is the Messiah and believing that Jesus can help us. Amen? We're really good at those two things. I don't think there's one person in this room that doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah or that Jesus can help them. Amen? Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus can help you? Well, what happens is that three and four is where we stumble, is seeing what the miracle looks like. You know, what I'm doing now is, is, uh, is when I'm praying for people, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How many of you know that scripture? What I'm doing with people, I'm asking them, I'm saying, hey, listen, this is what the Bible says. I'm going to lay hands on you and you will recover. What does your recovery look like? Oh, I, um, uh, uh, no. I want you to see what your recovery looks like. Can you explain it to me? Can you draw a picture for me? Can you articulate what your recovery looks like? Can you begin to see what the recovery, can you begin to see the before and after shots? See, we can see the now, but can we see the after? Do you know what? Louise Rowe saw the after shot of that room before anybody else did. So, so everybody else went in and they saw the now. She goes in and she sees the after. Well, where did she get that from? In the realm of the imagination. She saw something. And then what she started to say is, you do this and you do that. We'll get this paint. We'll get that. We'll organize this and we'll organize that so that we can create what I'm seeing. What is that? That's creative power. And I don't believe that we give enough time to creative power in our lives. 
I believe that the enemy would so want to bog you down with the mundane and bog you down with busyness and noise that you don't have time to dream and have time to see the divine possibility and potential in your life. But that's where the power is. That's where the anointing is. I want to share with you in, in, in a few moments of what the outpouring of the Spirit does in your life. There's a wonderful scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that talks about faith. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, what the writer of the Hebrews was talking about was that faith is actually seeing things in a realm that's not the physical realm. And you begin to hope for what you see in the unseen realm. And you bring what you see in the unseen realm into the seen realm. I I love what the New Century Version says of the Scripture. It says, faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we don't see it. Knowing that something is real even when we don't see it. Can you believe that your healing is real before you see it? Can you believe that the salvation of your loved one is real even before you see it? Can you believe that that financial breakthrough is real even before you see it? Well, it determine, it's determined by how much time you begin to channel into the power of God and the anointing of God and the will of God and begin to say, God, I'm not going to look at the way things are, but at the way you want them to be. Now, that's the difference between sanctified imagination and unsanctified imagination. So what happens is that the new age has captured this and basically said, you can create whatever world you can create with, but, but with so many people, they tap into their own greed and their own lust and their own pride. When you sanctify it, This is what you do. You say, God, you give me the vision. You give me the dream. You give me your purpose, and I'll hang on to it, and I'll dream it, and I will partner with you to create with you the divine possibility in our lives. Are you hearing me tonight, or am I? Is it bouncing back? I I know that you guys are very intense. I'm, I'm sad when bad news grips our hearts more than good news. I'm sad when we hear a negative report and we create a picture in our minds much faster than a good report because faith and fear are incredibly close. Faith and fear are the same thing with one difference. Faith holds onto the vision God gives. Fear holds onto the vision God doesn't give. But both faith and fear hold onto a vision. Let me say it again. Faith and fear are very similar. Matter of fact, they're identical except for one thing. And what are they? Faith holds on to the vision that God gives. It holds on to the vision that God gives. Fear also holds on to the vision, but it's not the vision that God gives. It's the vision that, that whatever gives, but it's a, it's a similar thing. I, I remember when I first started doing missions, I used to go to India and Anne was always in torment. She was in torment when, I, when I'd go to India. She was in torment because she would get a glimpse of a vision. And the vision was me not coming home. 
And so she'd be in torment over that. And so she had to work through that vision of me not coming home. And then God spoke to her. Do you remember God speaking to you about it? And what did God say to you, sweetheart? Come, 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 come and tell everybody what God did for you. I want you to help me preach here tonight, sweetheart. Come on. Well, all he did was change my vision and give me a a vision of angels sitting on the house. Um, Because at that time I was pregnant with uh, Christelia and I had the two boys. Um, And he just showed me angels on my house and said, Anne, I'm caring for you and I'm caring for John and it's all okay. And that just carried me through all the funny noises at night then. It didn't matter anymore because I had a vision of the angels were there and looking after us all. We've got to... We've got to turn the vision around. And so here's a vision of my husband not coming home. I'm all by myself. Thieves can break in. Fire can happen. You know, and, and so it tries to grip you. How many of you know that fear wants to grip your heart? And in gripping your heart, it creates a vision. But you determine whether you give air to that vision or whether you stifle that vision and give air to faith. And you begin to turn the thing around and begin to say, what do you want me to see, God? Because I'm struggling with this. I'm seeing birds plopping on me. I don't want to, st- I want to stop seeing the birds plopping on me. I want to see the sun shining on me. Hello? Do you hear what I'm saying? Because this is what Job said. With, with all of his tests and all of his trials, he said, the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. What does that mean? That means he saw his children dying. He saw the stuff being taken away from him. He saw that in the imagination. And that's what created fear in his life. And he said, I saw it. It created fear in my life. And now I've realized that the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. Friends, we've got to get hold of this and understand the power of it and turn it around for good. Turn it around for good. Who and what controls what you see? How much time do you spend imagining what your miracle looks like? How much time do you spend confessing what your miracle looks like? How much time do you spend talking about what your miracle looks like? How much time do you spend journaling what your miracle looks like? What happens so often is that we just go to prayer. Oh, Father God, I need a miracle, please. I need a miracle in this. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're pleading to God when God says, okay, let me work with you. What is it that you want me to do for you? Can you describe your miracle? What does it look like? Articulate it. Write it down. Expand on it. Exaggerate it if you have to, but do something besides just pleading with God. Because I think for some of you, the missing ingredient is partnering with God and using your creative imagination to begin to see what God sees. Because that was what God said was faith in Bartimaeus' life. Second thing I want to speak to you tonight about is Vision is an evidence of an outpouring of the Spirit. You say, what? Turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 17. This is powerful. This is the day of Pentecost, and 
And Peter's interpretation, Peter is trying to explain to the skeptics what's taking place. And then he pulls out of midair. I mean, we're talking about people speaking in other tongues, but much more happened than just speaking in other tongues on the day of Pentecost. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I think we miss it by a million miles if we think the only evidence of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues. Sure, that is an evidence. It's a wonderful evidence, but it's not the whole picture. And then Peter, in verse 17, well, see, this is what he says. Let's read from verse 14 because he explains. They're saying, what is going on? We don't understand what's going on. And verse 14 says, but Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he begins to explain what happens when the Spirit is poured out upon people. And it says, It come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Underline that word prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Underline that word visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Underline that word dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. There's the prophecy repeated again. So this is what Peter says will happen when the spirit is poured out. Three things will happen. Number one is prophecy. Number two is visions. Number three is dreams. Can I talk to you a little bit of what prophecy is, what visions are, what dreams are? See, what prophecy is, is speaking out what your spirit sees. That's what prophecy is. In the Old Testament, prophets were called seers. They saw something and they spoke what they saw. This is what God is saying. When I pour out my spirit upon my people, they're going to prophesy. Something's going to happen. They're going to speak. They're going to speak what I show them. They're going to speak what they see. They're going to see something in the spirit realm, and they're going to articulate what they see. Come on, church. Don't think for a minute that prophecy is only reserved for a single few. The Bible says you can all prophesy one by one. But you've got to get in a place where the Spirit is poured upon you and you feel that unction, you feel that anointing, you feel something is happening. And I, I just, I can't fathom us living our Christianity through the head all the time. We've got to get out of living just in the head. Now, I, I, I love the head. I love reason. I love logic. I love all that sort of stuff. But when the Spirit comes, He wants wants us to live out of something else, that inner world, the spirit world. And we were talking about it on on Friday with with some of the team. And 
And we were talking about why is it that some people find it so difficult to speak in other tongues and other people find it really easy. And I said, this is what I found. I found that those people that live life through their head, they're the ones that always struggle the most because they want to bring reason and logic to everything. Then you've got other people that are just, woo, you know, they're sort of, they're, they're out there and you know that they're sort of spiritually, you know, very, very alive. And for them, that's really easy. That's really easy. But, they, you know, there's personality types. But you know what? The majority of the world is much more spiritually aware than Australians are. We've been trained to live through our head. Whereas when you go to the East, when you go to the third world, when you go to a lot of developing countries, they are very spiritual people. And what you find with, with Pentecost today is that the greatest outpouring of the Spirit is not happening in the West, but is happening in developing countries where people are just being much more spiritually perceptive and spiritually aware. Not to say that you can't be, but you've got to stop living your life through your head and begin to open up your spirit to God and say, God, would you show me things in the spirit realm so that I can prophesy, so that I can see visions. Visions. What's a vision? A vision is seeing what God sees, seeing the divine possibility. You know what I find sad? I find sad that there's generations that are growing up now that have never seen a vision. Now, I know that we can go extremes. I know that there are some people, oh, God showed me this and God showed me that and God showed me the other. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I know that there can be extremes. But you know what? I'd rather this extreme than this extreme where nothing happens. Where you don't see anything. You don't experience anything. It's, it's all head stuff. It's all study stuff. It's all commentary stuff it's all what someone else has said rather than what God is saying tapping into the supernatural of God but I want to say to you that unless you give time to it and unless you open the doors to it you'll be blind to it unless we begin to cry out oh God would you pour out your spirit upon us afresh so that we can prophesy so that we can see visions and then if we're old and decrepit and spend a lot of time in bed, even give us dreams. It says the old man shall dream dreams. And so you're only an old man if um, you start dreaming dreams and there's no visions happening. That's the difference between young men and old men. Young, and so if you've got a vision, you're a young man. If you just, you, you, you're gone beyond visions and now you're dreams and that's it. But you know what? I, I believe that this is for all people. I, I, don't, you know, I really believe that when you read the book of Acts, what it's doing, it's, it's trying to include everybody. It's trying to include the young and the old, the men and the women. The, the, the words that are used are inclusive. And what we tend to do is that we try to separate and say, oh, well, prophecy is for, is for your sons and your daughters. Visions are for just the young men. And dreams are for the old men. I believe that prophecy, visions, and dreams are for everybody on whom the Spirit falls prophecy visions and dreams where you open up that inner world and you begin to see the god possibilities the god potential come on folks don't allow yourself to be squeezed into the dictates of the world
Don't allow yourself to see only that which reason and logic would dictate to you. Begin to see what God dictates to you. Begin to see the divine possibility. I'll never forget the day that God spoke to us and said, John and Anne, if you build my house, I'll build yours. And we just set ourselves to, to build God's house. And then once God's house was built, a prophet came along and began to prophesy our house and began to prophesy what he saw in the spirit. And I'm, I'm not joking. He prophesied the house that we're living in today. It wasn't even built then. The land wasn't even fully cleared then, but he prophesied that. And what Anne and I did is that we grabbed hold of that prophecy and we started to see in the spirit realm the things that did not exist and grabbed hold of it. And we are living today in the vision that we saw. Anne and I are just about to go onto our extended leave. So we'll be here next Sunday. But then after next Sunday, we'll be away for the following seven Sundays. And one of the places that I'm taking Anne to is the Greek island of Santorini. Huh? Now, let, let me tell you why I'm, why I'm taking Anne to Santorini. About 10 years ago, when we were decorating our bedroom, I bought two picture frames in our bedroom. And these two picture frames I liked and I loved, and they're scenes of Santorini. They're scenes of the, the, the blue domes and the white homes and the blue ocean. And, and, they're, and, and they're, you know, just, they balance each other out. I love everything balanced. And you've got our dressing table. And on either side of the dressing table, there's two frames of Santorini. And about 10 years ago, I said to Anne, one day I'm going to take you to Santorini. One day I'm going to take you to Santorini. And then every single day for the next 10 years, the pictures of Santorini were just there. And every time I saw those pictures... I was reminded, I'm going to take Anne to Santorini one day. I'm going to take Anne to Santorini one day. With our 30th wedding anniversary coming up, just something dropped in my mind. It's time now to take Anne to Santorini. <laughs> and, and, and so we're talking, um, when is it? Um, I think it's September sometime. It's 8th, 9th of September. Our cruise ship pulls into Santorini, and the very thing that I saw we will experience on the 9th of September, God willing, just in a few weeks' time, we'll experience that which we saw. Now, I can give you illustration after illustration after illustration of that. One of the things that Anne and I saw before we were married was three children. We saw our three children before we were married, and we just, and, and it was like a God thing. God dropped it in our hearts. That's it. So there was agreement. It wasn't, well, I want four, and you want two, and we'll compromise and have three. It was, no, we both, and God dropped something in our heart. And one of the things that Anne and I have discovered is this, that when God drops something into your heart, you latch onto it and you begin to see it and you begin to dream it. And sometimes something will come to try to take away your faith and to try to remove your dream. And over the years, there's been plenty of stuff that wants to do that. One of the things that Anne and I decided before we got married, that the word divorce was going to be absolutely wiped out of our vocabulary. We weren't ever going to speak that word into our marriage because we realized that if we don't speak it, we don't see it, then it won't happen. And so we removed it from our vocabulary. We removed it from the possibility. There was no possibility. We tied ourselves together. We removed the possibility. And that 
I tell you, through some hard times, protected our marriage because there was no alternative. We never allowed ourselves to even look there. There was no possibility of going there because we never saw it and we removed it. And if you go to my dictionary in my office and look up the word divorce, it's scrubbed out. It doesn't exist in my dictionary. I'm trying to remove it from my computer. I can't do that, but I've certainly scrubbed it out of my dictionary. This is what I'm saying, is that if you see harmony, if you see love, if you see redemption, if you see those things, then that's what you will pursue because it has the stamp of God upon it. We're not just talking about positive thinking. We're talking about sanctified thinking, which has the fingerprint of God on it. It's got the will of God upon it. This is what the Apostle John says, that if you ask anything according to His will, it shall be done for you, not according to your will. So if something has the, the, the sanction of God upon it, then let me tell you, that's where you're to head. Whoa, is the time over? Folks, I'm going to nail it right now. I'm, I didn't realize it was that late. I got carried away. I was enjoying the preaching so much. <laughs> I was going for it. Sorry about that. I didn't realize it was that late. Let me finish tonight by saying this. I want to challenge you. Really want to challenge you. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? What are you allowing yourself to see? What are you speaking? Has it been sanctioned and sanctified by God? Have you presented it before God and said, God, is this acceptable to you? This dream that I've got, is it acceptable to you? Because for some of you, what you're dreaming is the dictates of the world, is the dictates of your finances, is the dictates of your circumstances. Someone is predicting your future. He said, but, but John, it's a reality. That's what's happening. Have you taken it to God? And it said, God, is this acceptable to you? Because if it's not acceptable to God, then what are you doing going there? Go where it is acceptable to God. Go where God is sanctioning this to you. Folks, some of you are facing crisis in your health. And the doctor is saying to you, let me predict what's going to happen to your life. This is what, in the next few weeks, this is going to happen. And in, in the next few months, this is going to happen. And they begin to prophesy all the death and destruction. You need to take that to God and say, God, this is what the doctor in the physical realm is declaring in my life. And this is the picture that they're painting for me. But God, I take this to you. What are you declaring in my life? What is the dictates of heaven for me? Because I don't want to dream that if you're asking me to dream this. Because if I dream that, I'll empower that in my life. I pray to God that today you get in the balance of all this. And the balance of all this is get before God and find out what God is sanctioning for you before you start going where the world is trying to send you. Get what the will and purpose of God is for your life. And if you get it, you'll see it. And what you see is what you get. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord God, I just want to thank you tonight for every single person here. 
And Lord, I just pray that this message will not be a message that just goes in one ear and out the other, but it'll be a message that just resonates in our spirit, Lord. I just just pray for every person. I just know that there are so many people facing so many different things in their lives. And tonight, Lord, help us to sanctify our dreams. Help us to sanctify our visions. Help us to sanctify that which we see so that it is according to your will and not according to the dictates of circumstances. Lord, help us not to make decisions that are based out of frustration or fear or anger. Because in so many circumstances, decisions made out of frustration, fear, and anger are wrong decisions. But help us just to be still, just to be still and allow our visions to go through the God filter, to be filtered by you in Jesus' name. Come on, right now while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, some of you are facing amazing challenges right now. You've got all these different scenarios. What's God saying in it all? What is the picture that God wants you to get? for your future. Just take it to God and say, God, I need to filter all these possibilities through faith and through your will. And Father, I just pray that right now you would create within all of us the divine possibility, the divine possibility, the will of God. That's what I want for every single person here, Lord, the will of God. Not the dictates of man or the dictates of circumstances, but the will of God. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 